0: Welcome to episode 126 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Today, I'm joined by Jordan Syatt. Now, you don't know Jordan. He is a force in the fitness industry. He has one of the top-ranked fitness podcasts in the world. He's a world-record powerlifter, and he has trained literally thousands of people to lose weight, get strong, and improve their relationship with food, including none other than Gary Vaynerchuk. And of course, me. Jordan was my powerlifting coach, he's my business coach, he's still my business coach. We've been together since 2016. And today, we sit down to talk about New Year's resolutions. They can get a really bad rap in the fitness industry. Jordan and I talk about what does the research actually say about New Year's resolutions, what have we learned through our coaching of many, many people over the years about New Year's resolutions, and what do people who are actually successful at keeping their New Year's resolutions do differently, and how can you actually keep your New Year's resolutions this year? Now, before we get into the episode, two announcements. Number one. In the very beginning of the episode, Jordan's telling us a story about when he almost got a dog, and we're talking about um, his recent Hanukkah experience and Hanukkah traditions. And when we're talking about that, the, the audio is a little bit laggy. I promise it clears up right around minute nine, and that's right when we're getting into New Year's resolutions. So do what you will if you want to skip past the fun stories that have a little bit laggy audio go for it or you can hang in there it's not so bad but I do want you to know it does clear up and then announcement number two doors open for my signature course fitter after 40 on January 18th that is coming up fast Now, Fitter After 40 is the only online training of its kind that is designed specifically for women over 40 to show you exactly how to consistently implement the nutrition, exercise, and mindset strategies that will make you stronger and leaner for life while freeing you from constantly thinking about your weight. If you're not on the wait list already, get on it. You can go to kimschlagfitness.com and get on that wait list. All right, on with the episode. Let's go. Jordan, hello.
1: Kim, what's going
0: on? Hi, how you doing?
1: Good. Sorry for the uh, for the timing issues, but it's okay now. Uh, can you hear me okay? Is everything okay?
0: Yeah, I gotcha.
1: Okay. Is it, yeah. is it lagging on my end or no?
0: A tiny bit. Let's see. Let's just talk okay. for a minute and we'll see if it gets better before we say anything super important.
1: <laughs> All right, perfect. How are you doing? Everything good?
0: Yeah, everything's good on my end. No worries about the time zone mix up. I do it all the time. Like we talk to people all over the world and I try my best to like never screw that up. But sometimes I do,
1: you know? Yeah, I do it all the time. How's your dog?
0: She's super cute. She's over there. She's she's not in the screen right now. I, I show her to you. She's so adorable. This morning though, I could have killed her. I woke up with this cold and I didn't realize I had dropped a tissue. She ate it. She ate my tissue.
1: Oh no! <laughs> I around I'm like, "What are you doing?" It's like all crazy.
0: over i like, and like, oh my gosh, ew! <laughs> 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 like,
1: what you uh, I guess the issue is. Less gross than like another dog's poop, but well, it is what it is.
0: They try to do that too. They just were super interested, I guess, in smells of things. I don't know. I still don't, I still don't feel like, what are we like nine months into having this dog? I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing with her. She's such a good dog. And I feel like she's super patient with us as we learn <laughs> how to be dog owners. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, <laughs> that's nice of her <laughs> to not be a total, star, <laughs> since we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Any movement on getting a dog? Are you guys talking about it again now?
1: No, not, not, not right now. You know, and people don't that story. I feel like I should tell that story about, about how we almost got a dog. So so like my wife and I, we were going to get a dog when we were living in New York, all set up. We'd gotten like, we'd done all this research to to get a dog. And uh, I remember you had texted me being like, how did you get a dog so quickly? And I was, and I, had and been I, was I don't know, do my it. wife had done all of the research. Yeah. My wife had done all the research and and she's so good with that stuff. Like she's always good at doing a lot of research and things. And so I just was like, yeah, must be a reputable thing because she found it. And I trust my wife. And we did a lot of research on the person doing it and like, we couldn't find anything bad. And so we we're like, okay, cool. This one just must be wonderful. And literally the morning that we're about to go drive to go get this dog, you send me a text being like, Hey, listen, I did some research on the breeder that you mend. And I found this it was basically just terrible news about unethical beating and, and abuse of the dogs just not good and he went to prison for it and it, yeah it wasn't good and it, the only thing in my head I was like well it's 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 from like 2005 so maybe he's changed or something, maybe it's different and so we're like you know I we I told my wife and and she was devastated but I was like you know what let's just drive well because we already had rented a car we're going to drive down and go get them let's drive and call um call like animal services and stuff on the way, see if they have anything on this guy that he's done recently, any of that. And so we call animal services, a whole bunch of vets. And like, they couldn't give out any information about an individual, but they did give a whole bunch of red flags. Like if the mother isn't there, that's a huge red flag. If they don't have the the paperwork about their health history, that's her flag. And so basically I said to my wife, I was like, "How?" because I'd now been driving for about an hour. And I was like, How about we give him a call. We ask if the mother is there and if he has the health paperwork, if both of those things are a no, then we're turning around because I, we got there and held that dog in our hands. We wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to leave with that dog. So I called him and I was like, Hey man, just checking is the mother. And he was like, no, the mother's in Ohio. I was like, well, that's fucking weird. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, good. well, do you have like the health, the health history paperwork? And he was like, no, we don't have that. And I was like, well, can we get it? And he was like, no. And I was, you know, we're, we're not coming to get this dog. And then, and the first words out of his mouth were, well, you're not getting your deposit back. And I was like, oh my God, like that's clear. Get, that isn't the guy anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and so actually we reported him. Animal service and we said hey this is what's going on just so he's on your radar but yeah so as of right now we're not looking to get a dog it might have been a blessing in disguise like we have a lot going on so we, she still wants one and talks about it every day but for the time being I think we're not ready for that responsibility just yet
0: I felt terrible I remember I walked I kept talking to my family I'm like I don't even know what to do because I knew like when I realized When I saw it, was because you showed me a picture of the dog. Because I was really, I'd been working on this project for myself for a while. And I'm like, how do you do this so fast? And all of a sudden I was worried. I'm like, oh my gosh. And when I said to you, I texted you, I'm like, where'd you get it? And you said Lancaster. And I'm like, oh crap. Because I had found out enough there are so many bad breeders there. And that's why I'm like, send me a picture. And then when you finally sent it to me, I was like, I know this place because I looked into that man and asked oh. how he closed the dogs. And I was like, and I walked around and I'm like, he's in the car. Like I know he's driving there. And I was like, what do I do? Like, do I tell him? And that's when I text you. I'm like, yeah. if I know something, do you want to know? I'm like, I felt terrible. <laughs> I'm like, they're all going to get their happy puppy, but I've just heard such bad stories that even if like you had gotten a dog, the dog could be sick the dog could die. Like yep. the dog might not even be what you think. Like you think you're getting like a whatever size dog and you're actually getting a dog triple the size. Like it's just not a good situation. And so I felt really bad, but I'm actually glad for you that when you no, do get a dog, I, now I, you I, know I, more.
1: This, I, I said this to you after it happened. I was like, that's how a good friend is. A good friend wouldn't hide like you hard things you say it needs to be said. So you sued us and maybe that they- puppy a lot of uh, and future puppies as well like um i had no idea how awful that industry was like i had no idea i had no clue how how terrible it was all these puppy mills like i had completely ignorant had no idea about that that stuff existed and um when i was on the phone with the animal services i was like clearly like this guy is, is not a good guy but should that mean that i should go get the dog because the dog is uh He's not, it's like the dog would be in a bad place. And they yeah. said, we know it sucks, but paying this guy is enabling him to get more dogs. And to get more puppies and to keep the cycle going. So unfortunately, the best thing to do is just not go get the dog, not pay him. And and I called PayPal and, and they got me the deposit back as well, so he didn't have oh, that good. money either. Well, but yeah, it was it was a, I had no idea that uh, that, that was this, even a thing. And we'll, there's and this really
0: that. seedy underbelly to the dog breeding world. And I had just as a newbie dog owner, I had no idea. And uh, yeah, I was horrified to find out. Well, one day you're going to have a fantastic dog,
1: just like my, <laughs> just
0: like my cute Lily Mae. So as we're recording this, it's early December 2021, holiday season in full swing here. You just got done celebrating Hanukkah.
1: Yes. How was, how was that? Yeah, that's exactly right. It, you know, Hanukkah, It's it's fun. It's not like the biggest Jewish holiday. It's, it's not, it's historically and traditionally a relatively unimportant holiday, Yeah. but because of of Christmas and everything, I think a lot of uh, Jewish families over the years wanted to celebrate something or holiday time. So they sort of made it more extravagant and more of, of something to celebrate. So it's fun. It's nice to do it with family, but it's not as big of a holiday as I think many people think it is.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I saw on Target the other night, they had the mitzvah moose. Have you seen this? It's like, I think it's like <laughs> supposed to be the Jewish version of Elf on the Shelf.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what it's supposed to be, which, and it's so funny, my mom hates stuff. Uh, my mom absolutely hates it. She, she doesn't hate Elf on the Shelf. She hates like mitzvah moose or like all these traditions that were originally something else. And then like now they're, they're trying to make it part of ours my mom did, a, a was very welcoming of other religions, but she was like, if you are Jewish, like there's no reason to take another religion's and pretend like it's yours. Yeah. And and I think I, I really appreciated her doing that because I realized me wanting to celebrate Christmas as a kid was me just wanting to take part in what everyone else was doing, yeah. not because it had any special meaning to me. And this I think that, you know, people, a, a lot of Jews, Jewish people have started having like these Hanukkah bushes, which is basically a tree that looks like a Christmas tree for Hanukkah. It's like, that's not part of the tradition, <laughs> it's part of the tradition and don't do it just and do it because it means.
0: All right. So you're celebrating Hanukkah. You don't have a Hanukkah bush. Exactly. You don't have a mitzvah moose
1: correct (laughs)
0: and i know it's not the biggest holiday because that's earlier in the year right in september you guys have your big holidays right
1: yes we have that the high holidays in like early september and october which are rosh hashanah and yom kippur
0: right um but you do celebrate when you guys so Tommy, when you guys celebrate it's eight days and i know you light your candles every single day you write a candle light a candle do you give gifts every single one of the eight days is that's the tradition
1: so when I was a kid, that's what my mom did. She would give us like one gift every night. Um, now that I'm older, we, we usually just do gifts on the first night and like, because we're not getting, it's not like as big when you're a kid, it's like, yeah, new gifts every night. But now yeah. it's like, I just want socks and I'm good. So it's <laughs> like, you just get a, like a pair of socks and, and that's pretty much it. So yeah, we just, the first, maybe the second night is when we'll give gifts.
0: Got it. And what about meals? Like, is it special meals all eight nights or is it special meals the first and the last night? Or how does that work?
1: No, it's traditionally, it's the first two nights. The first two nights are, at least with with the way our family and the other families I've seen who do it, is the first night and the second night are big family dinners. Um, a lot of like traditional, especially like I'm an Ashkenazi Jew, which is like Eastern Europe. So a lot of like Eastern European dishes, something called potato latkes. Um,
0: Those look good.
1: Yeah, those are really good. Uh, brisket. Uh, so it's traditional food. First two nights are big, and then I mean, you can't do it every day for for eight days. That's just- what I was mm-hmm. wondering.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the
1: first two nights, and then that, and then you just relax.
0: Got it. Got it. And okay, what was the best thing you ate this Hanukkah?
1: Oh man, the best thing that I ate. I mean, so this was the first Hanukkah I've celebrated with my mom in, I think, at least ten years. And so her brisket is amazing. She makes some really, really great brisket. So that was, and, and she taught my wife how to make it and she gave her all the recipes, the family recipes. So I'd say the brisket was probably the best.
0: Nice. So, okay, so Hanukkah's over, Christmas is coming right around the corner. Yep, and yep. New Year's is right after that. And that, when you guys listen to this episode, it's going to be the first week of the year. We're releasing this um, first week of 2022. And we've timed this chat to be about... New Year's resolutions,
1: <laughs>
0: and in the fitness industry, there are, a, you know, there's a wide variance of opinions as there are on most things, um, so I know your your view on uh, New Year's resolutions, but the people do not, so tell us, Jordan, do you use them personally, do you find them valuable, and how about with your inner circle members?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that um, New Year's resolutions are one of the most underrated and overlooked things, and um, not only just underridden, and overlooked, but actually they're demonized mm-hmm. right? and, and their people are made fun of for having them. And like, especially around this time of year, you get a lot of people. I, I see people in the fitness space and also people in the business space mm. making fun of new year's resolutions. Like if, if it was really important to you, you'd start today dah, dah, dah. and like sort of, yes, I can understand that. And I actually used to think that way when I was younger, but actually there are, it's that's not the case, right? It's sort of like, um, you could look at it from a more broad perspective. It's like, you don't just start on any given day. Like you're, you're the timing and the environment has a really big impact on the choices that you make. Right. So it's like right around the holiday season, with a lot of traveling, a lot of food, like that's a very difficult time. You're spending a lot of money on other things. There's a lot of stress, not to mention there's still a fucking pandemic going on with all that. And like, All these things make it a very, very, very stressful time. So the idea of adding in another thing to do that maybe you're not very educated on is historically very difficult for you to do. It takes up way more time and energy. It's like, no, right now is actually a really difficult time for me to add that in. And if you actually look around research in terms of human behavior and and, and psychology, you can look at the power of moments. And there's actually a great book on this. It's called The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath. Really amazing book. And it's how how important certain moments are in our life. Like, for example, we could look at our birthday. Why do we celebrate our birthday? It's just like, it really doesn't matter that much if you think about it. Like, why do we care? Why do we care that it's our birthday? Is it cool to find the date? But you're having a whole birthday party. You have a whole big celebration, all this stuff. Like some people, like they get excited for their birthday month. Like the whole fucking month they're excited about (laughs) Um, True, but it's these moments that actually have a tremendous amount of significance to us, our anniversaries, uh, the first day of school. Uh, and then we can also look at, and I really love this. If you look at certain fitness apps, sometimes like if you, if you track your fitness for a hundred days in a row, they'll be like, oh, congrats, 100 days. But it's like, why not 97 Right. Why not 104? It's like, why true. is it 100? It's, yeah. it's moments that actually have a tremendous amount of significance. And it's shown in research time and again, that they, if you have these moments and you make note of them, it, it can help you long-term. And so looking at January 1 or the new year as a fresh start, it has helped many, many, many people. And a lot of people who are anti- uh, Anti-New Year's resolutions will cite something saying 95% of people won't even achieve them, which to be frank, I don't know where they got that number because I've never seen any research saying 95%. Yeah, Jordan, of- I
0: look around and I can't find a definitive number. They're all I've- pretty, they're all pretty grim, but 95 98, 90% yeah. of people fail. I don't know where the numbers come from. And I kept digging to try and find like a really good stat. And I've got some interesting stuff, but there's not a definitive one.
1: No, not at all. But so even let's say it's 95% of people don't achieve their their uh, New Year's resolutions. Well, out of a million people, 5%, is, is that's 50,000 people. That's a, that's a fuck ton of people. That is so many people achieving their goal. And then that's only assuming a a population of a million, but there are millions and millions and billions of people. Mm -hmm. So it's like your likelihood actually does go up. Not to mention if you're going into a new year's resolution already thinking it's not going to work then of course it's not going to work. But if you go into it with this idea of, listen, there's actually a pretty significant chance that this is going to work. I do really care about this. Uh, There's like, as long as I do X, Y, and Z, this could be a a legitimate thing that by the time next holiday season comes around, I already have this habit ingrained. I don't need to worry about the stress of the holiday season or or the money or any of that because I've already ingrained this new habit. Then you could already be well on your way by the time the next holiday season comes around.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I was looking into this idea, you were calling them um, these moments that we have. The term that I come by in the literature is temporal landmarks. And it's this idea. And I thought it was so interesting about why they say it tends to work is that we separate time periods as in um, we attribute like the negative things about ourselves to that former self. Like that was me in 2021, but now there's this this moment in time, this temporal landmark, and now me in 2022 is gonna do X, right? And so it's this moment of separation between yeah. these time periods. And it could be New Year's. It could be, like you said, it could be your birthday. It could be your anniversary. But having these moments can help us get this, what they say, as you said, this that term, the, this fresh start effect. Um, I think it's a really fascinating concept. And I think it's interesting when people poo-poo it. Look, if you want to start now, that's totally fine. Like, you can start now. And if for whatever reason you're like, I'm feeling like I'm feeling it. Like, for me, it's a good time to start. Go for it. There's no reason to not start now. Especially, I like the idea in December of starting something small. Like, you know what? I'm going to start walking every day. I'm gonna start walking every day. Like I'm not trying to like massively lose weight, but like, I'm just gonna do that. And cause then when you hit January one, like you've already built up some momentum, right? Like doing this little thing, but there's really something to be said for this idea of I'm starting today, it's January one, I'm getting a fresh start and here I go. Um, because like when we're talking to you, it is January. <laughs> it's early January. Like, <laughs> if you were hearing this and it was June, I'd be like, let's look for another good landmark. Let's look for the first <laughs> of the month, like the Fourth of July. Like, pick something close. Don't wait for for January one. But if it's here, like, let's use what we know and let's go with it. Um. Okay. So let's talk about this idea of these statistics that are super, super grim. What I like to think about when I see that is like you were saying, that's still a lot of people, even if 90% of people fail or 95%. And the other thing is I like to think about, okay, that means that there's or 10 or 12% of the people who are being successful. Like, why mm-hmm. don't we look at them? Like, what yeah. are they doing differently? And what can we learn from them? Um, you've been a coach for a long time. I have, I've looked at some literature. What are some things that you think either from the literature or just from your own experience um, are ways that people can use their new year's resolutions, set up their new year's resolutions in a way to be more successful?
1: I love this question. Like, let's let success leaves clues. So let's look at the successful people and see what they're doing. So I think to to look at the people who tend to fail first, they're not specific at all. They'll they'll say something like just a general, I want to lose weight, or or maybe not even that, but maybe I just want to be healthier.
0: I'm gonna eat healthy. I
1: wanna, I wanna exercise. It's like, well, great, but that's not specific at all. So if you look at the people who are the most successful and by the way, I'm holding this fake cigarette. This is not a real cigarette. I just, <laughs> um,
0: I didn't think it was. I'm super glad you didn't show up for this podcast wearing the mullet and the cigarette. and all. I
1: almost things. did. I almost did have the mullet on. But if you look at the people who are most successful, they, They take a specific goal and they break it down into very clear, actionable steps. So they have uh, their, what I call their objective based goal. And Then they also have what's called their action-based goal, right? So the objective-based goal could be okay, I want to lose 25 pounds. The action-based goals could be okay, every day I'm going to track my calories, I'm gonna hit these numbers, I'm gonna get this number of steps on a day-to-day basis, I'm going to strength train this many times per week. I'm gonna get this much sleep, whatever it is. But for it's not just clear enough to say, here's what you want to do. Here's you well, you also have you have to have two categories. You take a piece of paper, you, you draw line right down the middle on the left-hand side you have your objective what you actually want to achieve and on the right-hand side you have your action and here's what I'm going to do to achieve it and you, it's not just one you have to have a clear action And this is why when I make new year's resolutions I don't have a massive list of 50 things mm-hmm. I usually have like two to four uh, in 2020 I have two of my two of my like four or five resolutions were um, to floss every day And and to uh, uh, do what I needed to do to improve my blood pressure, which was to do more cardio, all of that. And this was two years ago now. And from January 1st, 2020, I haven't missed a single day of flossing my teeth, which is crazy because when I was younger, I never flossed my teeth ever. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm an adult. I need to start flossing my teeth. So January 1st, 2020, I made the flossing my teeth and I haven't missed a single day for almost two years now. And now my blood pressure is the best it's been since I think I was a kid, Uh, but it's taken a long time to get there. It's almost two years since those resolutions but they've, it's been a lot of time and a lot of work, but I'm there now. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I really think they are massively important, but the, the successful clues are specificity in regard to what you're doing and also not overloading yourself with too much.
0: Those are some really good ones. So be really specific. Don't pick too many, have an action goal, not just an objective goal. I mean, you have to have the objective goal because you need to know where you're going, Correct. Yeah. Translate it into an action. Those are some really good ones. Um, some of the other ones I found in the literature, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Um, one is having an interim goal, not just having an extended goal. The yep. idea being that when the goal is so far out in the future, we have this tendency to procrastinate because there's there's more time later. Um, but if it's a shorter goal, whether that's a quarterly goal, a monthly goal, a weekly goal, it feels more immediate and that action needs to come into place. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah. So I like that. So when I establish my goals, I do it on a a six month basis or it's like five months and seven months. Cause I do my annual goals every new year and I do them on my birthday in early May as well. So I, it's basically, I do two times a year where I sit down to myself for a couple of hours at a time and I review my goals and it's fun because I get to say, okay, cool. Like I've achieved that. And I could say, this is like, I, I that's done, or I can look at it and say, I haven't achieved it yet, but it's worth still trying to get, or, and this happens as well, where I'm like, I'm nowhere near this goal. And also it's not important to me anymore. And so then I can change it and replace it out for another one. And that's one that I think is very often overlooked where people always have this goal in their head of, well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this, but they never fucking do it, but it's always a goal. And so for me, I have the same notebook. I've had the same notebook since like 2010 in college. So I could look back at all of my goals from all of those years. Uh, and I can, and for me, like every six months, I can be like, okay, cool. Like I said, I want to do this, but this isn't important to me anymore. So I remember one of them when I was younger was I wanted to deadlift 600 pounds, but after I deadlifted 535, and that was like my last like major deadlift, I, I remember looking at 600 and I was like. I don't care about this shit anymore. So I crossed it off and I don't want to do it anymore. And so that I was able to take that time and energy and put it into something else. And it's almost in the same way, it's cathartic to write your goals down. It's equally as cathartic to cross off goals that no longer hold importance to you. And I think it's really important to, to recognize that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that you're quitting. It might just mean your priorities are in another place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that can be, I like the idea that you're writing them down and reviewing them in that way. I think that's some really good advice because how often do we just like set a goal and then like maybe we've achieved it and we've never really stopped to give ourselves credit for it or maybe we've just gotten away from it. And so I think this like, routine this ritual of sitting down and reviewing what was my goal where am I at with it do I still maybe we do still want to achieve it and this is the time we're going to like recenter refocus on going at it or maybe we need to revise it or just scrap it all together I think that's really solid advice um, for people to do so look when you're setting these goals in January think like okay when am I revisiting this um And this goes into some of the other things I found out in the research that um, tends to lead to more successful goals. And that is having some sort of feedback, whether that's yourself sitting down reviewing it or whether it's another way. Your consistency calendar, I think, is a good um, example of of feedback. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's super simple. It's it's basically just on a calendar, you're able to track your consistency. And and the reason that I, I started doing it is because and you know, you, you've coached many people one-on-one as well, where and and we have similar systems of coaching where it was done via email. And you know, someone would email us, right? They'd they'd email and they'd say, uh, their their few check-ins would be like, Oh, you know, I haven't been very consistent, I haven't really hit my calories, da-da-da-da-da. And that email might like have a similar email for three out of out of seven days that week. But then later in the week, they're like, I'm frustrated with why I'm not making any progress. And I'll be like, hold on, you literally emailed me earlier this week, several times saying you haven't been hitting your calories, you haven't been hitting your protein, you haven't been exercising like you should have been. Why the fuck do you think you deserve to be frustrated with your progress when you haven't been consistent? And then they'll, and I'll like, I'll copy and paste their emails. And look, you said this, you said this, you said this, they will be like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I forgot, they like forgot about it. And they weren't being like a they weren't lying consciously it wasn't malicious it was just they actually didn't realize that they weren't being consistent and so the consistency calendar just stares you in the face and it says listen throughout this month you were consistent on these days inconsistent on these days and then out of those 28 or 30 or 31 days you can calculate on a percentage scale how consistent you've been so if you're if you were 50% consistent throughout the month or 60% consistent, let's say 60% consistent that month. It's like, great. It's a D minus, Mm -hmm. like you had a D minus effort. That's not something to be proud of, nor is it something that you should be expecting to get into an Ivy league school with. So maybe someone at the office lost four pounds this month and you gained a pound, but it's like, yeah, it's because they were more consistent than you. So if you want to start seeing results, you have to aim for, I would say at least 75 to 80% consistent on a month to month basis.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting because that 70% consistency level can feel really hard. Like you can feel like you're putting in a lot of effort and yet you're not seeing the results. And so I find that the system of having this consistency calendar, it, like you said, it is looking you right in the face and you can see, because even though it has felt hard when you look and you're like, wait, it was only 70% consistent Like yeah. That totally explains it. And it can really help with this idea where people think that something's wrong with them. Like there's something wrong with my metabolism. There's something wrong with my body. No, the thing that's wrong is you haven't hit this with as much consistency as it feels like, because it's really hard to 70% of the time hit your calories. It means that you're not eating that extra snack that you want. And you're measuring out your portions a lot of the time. And so it can really have the sense, like you said, it could be three days later and you're like, but I just did this for three days. And you're (laughs) counting, you know, like the 20 days ahead that you didn't. And so I really like this form of, you know, that, and that doesn't even have to be with a coach. Like that's can just be like self-feedback. I do use that in my group. I use that with my, in the past, when I had one-on-one clients, we use the consistency calendar. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple, but wow, it is a powerful visual. And I think people
1: really need that. The funny thing about that for me is always how surprised people are the first time they actually track their consistency, they're always like, whoa, I'm way less consistent than I thought I was. Yeah. It's just it's because it, the thing about about when you're starting this new lifestyle, you're trying to be eat more healthy and be more consistent with it is... Oftentimes it takes up a huge portion of your thought process. It takes up a huge portion of your mental and emotional energy. And you're thinking about it all the time. And then you see someone in the office having a Hershey's bar and you're just like, oh God, I want that. And you're white knuckling it and you're gritting your teeth. And then, so it just, it takes up so much mental, emotional energy for you that you'll remember how you said no to that Hershey's chocolate bar, but then you'll forget how you went home and had four glasses of wine. And it's like, and it's one of those things where nothing's wrong with the wine, but you'll you'll only remember and sort of going back to moments, you'll remember things in moments. And you'll remember really, really great moments and you'll remember really, really difficult moments. But a lot of the stuff in between you tend to forget. And that's why it's like if you have an amazing vacation, if you, if you let's say you go on vacation to uh to Disney World. And uh, you could have uh, the most amazing vacation. It could be an incredible time. But on the plane ride back, uh, someone throws up on you and the person behind you is kicking your seat the whole time you're probably just going to be talking about how the fucker behind you is kicking your seat the whole time rather than remembering about how great the overall vacation was. Yeah. And it's because we remember these moments. And so if you, if you're white knuckling it and having all of these moments of I couldn't even enjoy myself out with my friends or family, or I couldn't do this, then that's what you'll remember is where you didn't indulge, but you'll forget about all the times that you weren't actually consistent unless you're honest and have that calendar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Um, You know, the consistency calendar is a big one for me that I use as far as this kind of feedback. Another one that I think works really well is doing monthly progress reviews. I did this for my one on one clients when I had one on one clients. Now, in my group, I teach them how to do it. Um, and it, they go over their consistency calendars. They can figure out those stats. They also look at their progress pictures, their measurements, and then their trend line with their weight. So they can see, like, here's what's happened and here's what I've done. And, like, how are they matching up? What changes do I need to make? And it can help in. Both in because sometimes people just don't recognize how far they've come. Like they're shocked. Like they feel like not much is happening, and then they see those pro- progress pictures, and they're like, "Wow! Like I'm doing yes. great, right. right?" And then that can help them feel more motivated to to continue on. And sometimes it's the other way. They feel frustrated that they, you know, they're trying so hard, and nothing's happening. And then they look at those consistency stats, and they're like, "Oh!" And then that's more motivating because it's in their control to fix that. Right? There's nothing magical, and you know, um confusing that's wrong and so i really like the idea of people doing that on their own just like every month checking in with what have i done and where am i at um and that goes back to that feedback idea
1: yeah yeah
0: um one other thing i had seen in the research that can work to have successful new year's resolution is to use approach goals versus avoidance goals Mm. what are your thoughts on that idea
1: so, and tell me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming an approach's goal is like something that you want to like approach from a positive perspective, like something you want to add as opposed to avoid, like you're not allowed to do that.
0: Yeah. So like the idea of, instead of saying like, I'm going to give up sugar, you say like, you know what, I'm going to eat 30 grams of fiber and one gram per pound of body weight of protein daily. So that's the the kind of two different ideas.
1: Yeah. I, I generally favor that approach in most aspects where it's like, rather than, taking something away, you can add something in replace of it. it tends to have, it tends to be less restrictive in terms of, um, in terms of your mindset. And like, I've always said, I always want to pull a fire alarm just because I know I'm not supposed to, like any time I walk <laughs> one down. One of these walk,
0: days, Jordan, you're always saying that one of these days you're just going to give in and do it.
1: <laughs> one day I, I will do it before I, before I'm gone, I will do it. But like, just because when you're not supposed to do something, it's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so rather than saying like, like using your example, rather than saying, I'm giving up sugar saying like, okay, instead, I'm going to make sure I get this much fiber, this much protein and hit these calories every day. That way, you know, you can't really go overboard with the sugar anyway. Or what you could say is you could have a rule or an, an, a guideline where it's like, you know what, before I have candy, I'll make sure I have a glass of water. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's not saying that candy's off limits. It's saying before I decide to have the candy, I'm going to have a glass of water. And that way, who knows, maybe you have the glass of water and you no longer want it, or maybe it's a, you, uh, you have a glass of water and you're cool. Now you do want the candy and it's totally fine, but either way you're, you're including a habit that is going to help you reach your goals as opposed to trying to take something away that you're quote unquote, not allowed to have.
0: Yeah. It's such a good, it's such a better mindset. This idea, like we really do want to rebel against uh, whatever it is that we're not supposed to do. And sometimes the thing we're rebelling against is literally ourselves and yes. like our goals, right? Cause we have the sense of like, I can't, I can't, I can't eat the cake, I can't eat the cake, right? And who is that's gonna screw over if we eat the cake? Us, right? Like just changing the way we think about it of like, instead of like, I can't eat the cake, like. I'm choosing not to eat the cake right now because I already had cookies earlier and I can totally have cake. I'm choosing not to right now, but I'm gonna have cake tomorrow because I'm gonna plan to have the cake, right? And so how we talk to ourselves about the goals, like we're not trying to like constantly avoid the cake. It's really powerful. Like those words we use to talk about our goals.
1: So- yeah, and I think what you just said is super important. Um, I think what you just said is, is very important because a lot of people hear what we talk about and uh, and they they almost feel like, they feel like they're they're not allowed to have the cake or they feel conflicted right they feel like well so am i not allowed to have it or like i what cuz i think this concept of flexible dieting can confuse people they'll be like well okay so should I have the cake or should I not have the cake? And they're trying to figure out like, well, what is the right answer? And then they feel bad if they decide not to have the cake. They'll be like, well, am I restricting myself too much now? And they're like confused because of all these like conflicting informations being thrown in our face. And the way you phrase that being like, I'm not having the cake simply because I'm choosing not to have it right now, not because I'm not allowed to, but because it's not the best choice for me at this point, I think is a really important clarification. And I I think, because, I, you wouldn't be, you would believe how many people are feel bad for choosing to control their food intake nowadays they're like yeah. they, they're being told that they're being overly restrictive for not giving into their every whim and every indulgence it's like no that's that's part of not being a glutton is what it is it's like You don't want to, you shouldn't give in to every craving and every single thing you want to do all the time. Of course, your body is going to say, eat the cake because it's delicious and it's going to have a massive dopamine response and it's going to be wonderful. But just because you can have it doesn't mean you need to have it. And just because you want it doesn't mean you need it either. And it doesn't mean you're not allowed to It just means pay attention to what is best for you at this point in time.
0: Yeah. And your choices can be different every single day. Like some days I choose to have the cake and some days I choose not to have the cake. And I think Correct. it's just super important to remind yourself it's always your choice and keeping your goals in mind. And, you know, there's definitely this idea out there these days that like any kind of restriction on ourselves is like, you know, heading into like having an eating disorder or like you're setting yourself up for failure. And in reality, it's over restriction. That's the problem. Not that we can't have any sense of restriction. And I think how we choose to talk about that to ourselves is a really big part of it just being, I mean, just like with like when you don't have kids yet, Jordan, but soon you'll have kids, right? Like I would never like have my kids like not have any rules, but I also don't want to give them too many rules, right? They need some rules to have this sense of happiness and freedom. And like I'm free to make lots of choices within these guidelines, right? Otherwise, you don't have happy kids. Like toddlers don't want to have no restrictions as much as they think they want to have. (laughs) teenagers think they want to have no restrictions, but they need some and they're happier there. And I think it's the same with us with food. Like we don't want to like just be able to eat nonstop all day. We're not going to like how we feel. We're not going to like how we look. We're not going to like what it does to our health. And so having some guidelines is really actually an important and powerful part of life.
1: Could not agree more. Well, and I like that analogy with the kids. That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So I read this thing the other day and I found it so interesting. I wanted to talk about it. I don't know if you've ever heard of the app Strava. I use it to like map my run. Have you heard of I've that? I've heard one? of
1: it. I've never used it.
0: Yeah, I'm really bad at using it. I sometimes look at it and I'm like, I still don't, I'm still trying to be a runner here. And so like I use it and I had read on there, somewhere I read on a site from them that they had done, now this is not like a peer reviewed research, but they did this big study. They took 800 million user logged activities in one year. And they used that to figure out when most people will quit on their New Year's resolutions. And what they found is, because that's a lot of people, like 800 million, that's that's a pretty significant amount of people. And what they found is the day that most people are most likely to quit is January 19th, and they have named it Quitter's Day. And so I was thinking about this. I'm like, I wonder what it is about that day. Like you've coached a lot of people. I've coached a lot of people. And like, I have some thoughts. They didn't say, I don't know why, what their thoughts are about it. What are your thoughts? Why do you think like, okay, people start on January 1st, by January 19th, like 80% of the people have quit them then. What are your thoughts on that? Like why?
1: Yeah, so it's funny. The behavior around January is very interesting. And I I feel like I've been doing this since 2011 uh, online. And I have a pretty good finger on the pulse for what's going on. Um, through years of experience, I've learned that most people don't actually start their new year's resolutions on January one. They usually start it on the Monday after January one. Um, and, and cause usually on January one, people are still hungover, yeah. right? They're, they're hung they were out, whatever it is. So either like somewhere between the third and the fifth is somewhere where they actually start often because it's the weekend or whatever it is. Um, But that Monday is when most people start. And usually in terms of like by the 19th, which actually, I think it does make a lot of sense based on what I've seen. They often don't even make it to February Mm -hmm. is because when they start something, they go so hard. They're like, all right, every day I'm doing it. No bullshit. I'm going to work out. I'm going to run. I'm going to lift. I'm never going to eat anything bad. And they can white knuckle it until about two to three weeks. And that's it. And then usually around that time frame is when they miss a day of working out, or they have something that they deem bad in terms of food. And then they think they they screwed everything up. So they're like, well, uh, you know, what's the point? And then they fall off from there. And when in reality, if instead of starting off trying to work out every single day and be literally perfect with their nutrition, if they were more flexible with it and more sustainable with their approach, they would have been able to go on forever. But you can't do that perfect every single day forever. So it makes sense that that's around the time that they notice that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a big piece of what it's got to be that burning out effect, because they're just trying every day to get it all just actually just made a post about this today on Instagram. The idea of like, we really should expect just like with anything else, like if we're learning to golf or we're learning to play piano, like, would you imagine like Jordan, if you decide like, I'm gonna learn to play the piano, like the, the day your, your new teacher gives you an assignment that you would hit every note correctly. Like, that's literally what the lessons are for. Like nobody would expect like to never hit a wrong note. Nobody would expect like to take golf lessons and expect like every single stroke to connect with the ball even, right? Yet when we start something like a weight loss journey, I hate that word, but I don't know what it's <laughs> called, right? But we, would, we expect to start it and just get it all right. We expect to, like we're humans, we eat food, we should know how to do this. And it's a lot of pressure. Whereas if we let ourselves look at it as like, this is practice and of course, I'm not going to get it all right. Like I'm learning, like I'm learning, how do I get in 140 grams of protein? And like, how do I stop at three cookies instead of eating 12? Like I'm learning these things. Um, Expecting that can really help with this whole, like, and you've said it for years, like this whole, like, don't screw it. Like I'm not screwing it up mentality. Right. Um, I think that can really help with this sense of like, I have to get it all right every single day. And then we burn
1: out. Agreed. I completely agree. Yeah, I I think both of that. Where it's they, they, they basically set themselves up for failure. Where it's like they set themselves up where they, they have something that is completely unsustainable. And then as soon as they, by their own definition, fail, now they've labeled themselves a failure, which is just it's a compounding effect.
0: Yeah, it's that's a doozy of one. So everybody listening to this, don't do that when you start setting your goals. don't expect that you're going to get it all right. And don't go in with like all guns blazing. They like, yeah. start out with a couple of things. you know, like, maybe have like an exercise goal and a nutrition goal and have them be manageable. And it doesn't have to be super small. Like I hate when people, and I used to, say, I remember when I was a brand new coach, right? I just hadn't gone through PN one and done my, and like, they're like, have like a water goal. So I'd give my clients like a water goal and a workout yeah. and they weren't <laughs> making any progress. Well, no, how shocking no. is that? <laughs> they literally haven't changed how many calories they're putting in their body We're right. just drinking more water. So don't make it that small, like pick something impactful, you know, have a be something that's going to actually change the dial and how many calories you're eating. And then stick with that and like, give yourself credit for doing that. And then, you know, like add some more things into it. It doesn't have to be turtle slow. And in, in fact, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, but From what I've read, people who have a ton of weight to lose, they can go better with this like fast approach to weight loss, right? Those are people like if you have like a hundred pounds to lose, you can losing some fast can actually be um, more impactful for you in the long run. So, you know, it doesn't have to be these micro goals. Well,
1: it's actually, it's funny because I was about to bring up my brother who over the last year has, he's lost over 130 pounds in the last year. So my brother struggled with his weight his whole life. My whole family has really, except, except for me. Um, and, and so he reached out right at the beginning of 2021 and, uh, he was like, listen, I want to get this under control. And, and him and I hadn't spoken for like 10 years. Like we hadn't really spoken at all. Didn't have a very good relationship. So finally he reached out and I was like, let's do it. Let's go. And the, the changes that we made were nutrition, just like keep like counting his calories. Didn't count protein. Didn't count carbs. Didn't count fats, just calories and walking. That was it. Um, and he's lost over 130 pounds in about a year. So it is a pretty fast rate of progress. Oh yeah, by like any standard of the definition, but he also had a lot to lose. Now he's down to about half a pound to a pound a week. So he's gotten down to a point where it's significantly slowed down in terms of the rate of progress at this point. But for the first few months, he was just losing hand over fist. And it was actually really wonderful because it was the first time I've ever seen him like really excited about his progress because he had done other things where he'd lost weight quickly, but it was doing a juice cleanse. And, and it was, he, yeah. he wasn't happy. He felt like shit. He wasn't eating foods he enjoyed. And this was within three months. I knew I was like, this is going to stick because he's still, he's still enjoying pizza. He's still enjoying his favorite foods, but because he had a much higher body fat percentage, he he was losing weight much more quickly. And, yeah. but it really comes down to it was just his calories and walking, and that's that's all he did for the first like six months.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. What a cool thing for you guys to get to work on together after yeah. not having talked in a really long time. That's fantastic. Yeah. So Jordan, what are your? Do you have you started thinking? Like, do you know what are your goals going to be for twenty twenty one?
1: Twenty twenty two, Kim.
0: Oh my gosh! What year is it? Who am I? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty two. That's what I meant.
1: <laughs> um, I was almost like had a Groundhog Day moment for a second. I was like, Oh my god!
0: <laughs> We're restarting this year.
1: <laughs> um, I, I you know you know Groundhog Day right? You know that movie yeah, with yeah, yeah. Day?
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's anytime I th- think about it. That song that plays on the radio gets starts. Oh my playing. gosh! Yeah. Um. So for me, anytime I do my goals, which is beginning of January. And then also right around my birthday, uh, my wife knows I take a few hours to myself. I get out my notebook and I, and I write them down. I usually like mess up a few times and I'll cross some things out and I'll start over. Cause I want a fresh sheet of paper. Um, but so I'm not a hundred percent sure of what my goals will be. I've hit some really, really big, important goals to me more recently, both in terms of my blood pressure being arguably the most important one. Um, and then, So I think one of them is going to be, I I want my objective-based goal is win first place in a jujitsu competition, which was one of my objective-based goals for this past year, but I got, I didn't get that. I only got second. I got third and second place. Um, So still keeping that like objective-based goal, I want to get first place in a jujitsu competition. Um, Action-based goals will be basically the same. I I train jujitsu five or six times a week. So continue to do that. Um, In terms of, and I mean, that's probably the only one off the top of my head that I definitively know. Um, I'm not sure yet. I really have to sit down and think about it. The, I, I take my goal setting very seriously. I'm really passionate about goal setting. It's. I think a lot of people just sort of wing it and like just off of a whim. But I actually, I'm very passionate about it. Because like when I look back through this notebook that I've had for over a decade now, it's really amazing for me to go back and see like, this is where my mindset was in 2010. And this is, this is what I cared about. And then cool. This is what I achieved. This is what I achieved. This is what I achieved. And I also, I want to think like in 10 years time, I'll be looking back at the goals I'm writing down this year. And I want to be like, what am I going to care about? What am I going to be happy about? What is actually realistic for me to achieve? So the jujitsu one is a big one, but otherwise I'm not, I'm not really sure yet. So I need to think about it. What about you? What are some of your goals?
0: You know, it's really interesting. I was thinking about that in preparation for this call because I knew I was going to ask you. I'm like, I bet he's going to ask me. And this is the first year I can remember because usually I could just rattle off like here. These are the things. This is the first year I can remember. I think it has a lot to do with how sick I was last year. Like, I'm I'm just feeling really pretty content. (laughs) Like, there's not much I feel like I need. Like, I feel like my business is going great. Like, I don't have soup like right now, especially with fitness, like I'm pretty, like I've always had, like, I want to, you know, you were helping me like work on my one-arm push up right before I got six. There's always like something else cool I want to do. And right now I'm like, I just want to be able to continue with this level of fitness. Like I want to yeah. be able to do what, if I want to go hike a mountain, I want to be able to hike a mountain. If I want to lift something heavy up, I want to be able to lift it up and to do all those things. Like I have to be able to keep training. And so I might just be a boring goal of like, I'm going to train three times every week. And <laughs> it's like, that's good. That might be it. I, I love know, it doesn't sound super exciting but it might be something just like that and with my business like i don't ha- like i just feel really content and maybe that will change but um i don't think it's going to be anything earth-shattering for my goals this year
1: what, are you uh are you running a race soon
0: no i'm not running give me a second i realized my computer is not plugged in and it says it's gonna die
1: that okay gonna die. <laughs> no worries <laughs> That's gonna
0: work. let's fix that there we go Um, no, I'm not going to run a race. I just, um, I want to be able to my entire life. I I thought I've hated running and I was a a while back. There's this person I follow and she talks about like, anybody can be a runner. You just haven't practiced running correctly. And so I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I started it right before I got sick last year. I got three weeks into her 12 week program, got sick, scrapped it. Yeah started again this fall after I got back from the Grand Canyon and my knee started bugging me because it was left over from the grand. I I think I had just done so much and it was not the best time to start um, running. And so I've still been doing it a little bit, but not fully. And I really just want to get through this 12 week program and see like, can I be a person who can run a 5k and enjoy it. Like, that's my goal. I want to see like, can I like this and not like want to murder somebody (laughs) every time I do it? And maybe the answer is like, no, like you really don't like running and that'll be cool. But I just want to really give it all my effort to just see if I can do it. So actually I guess that's one of my goals is to finally get through this 12 weeks of running at a nice slow pace to see like, do I like this?
1: I like that. I like that a lot. I I've been doing a lot more running recently for jujitsu and I've been, you know, it's funny with strength training, there's only when you're when you focus on one thing for so many years and you become an expert in it very little thing very few things will surprise you as research comes out it's like well yeah i knew that because i did that for so long and i studied that for so long so for strength i haven't been surprised by anything coming out in strength and conditioning research for years and years and years i'm still up to date with it but it's like i'm not as passionate about anymore because it's just like i know what's going to happen i know what works it's just very simple and and when you first get into it it's it's new and exciting and you want to learn all the things, but I haven't been as passionate about it anymore because, you know, I I've been in it for so long and I know it. So, but recently I've been getting more into energy system training and, and more like uh, heart rate training, tra- training specifically for your heart rate, to improve your endurance, improve your performance, improve your health. And so I've been doing a lot more running as, as a form of my own personal study to improve this and to get better at it. And it's, I, I fucking hate running, Kim. Like I hate <laughs> running. It's awful. I have to put Vaseline on my thighs because otherwise they're gonna chafe as I'm running. And my wife will laugh at me because I like slather it all over my thighs <laughs> before I go run. It's terrible. And how long are
0: you like, running that you're getting chafing thighs?
1: Like 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Okay. And and like uh and I don't know. For me, there's something about it where I, if I'm just running, like, I don't like just listening to music. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not like a a music guy. So I'll, I'll listen to audiobooks, or if I'm on a treadmill, sometimes I'll watch something on YouTube or whatever. But like, if I, if it's just me running and maybe this is something about something I need to work on about myself, I can't do it. Like I, I, all I'm thinking about is the time and I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, when the fuck is this going to end? And I like, I, absolutely hate it, but I've been very excited about the results and about learning about it. And I'm hoping that as I continue to improve with it, I'll get more and more passionate about it. But I also, frankly, don't see myself ever enjoying running as much as I love lifting weights. Like lifting weights for me is just fun. And it's like, it's exciting. Whereas running is just like, ugh. I I know. But Also, I understand the benefit of doing cardio and various types. But for me, it's, it's really the I almost need something to take my mind off of it in order to enjoy doing it. Cause if I'm thinking about doing it, I hate it.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely, I like music. And so I do listen to music when I run. I don't like running on a treadmill. I do run outside. Um, and I, I just enjoy that way more. I think I would not be successful if I was running on a treadmill. I think I would hate every minute of it and be like looking <laughs> at the clock and being like, is it over? Is it over? Um, yeah. So it's, it's been interesting to you've been talking about cardio so much. You have the entire, um, online fitness business mentorship we're all (laughs) participating in this cardio challenge which is really funny because everyone so many people have been like i can't believe i'm saying this but i'm kind of excited about doing cardio (laughs) it's been fun to talk to everybody about it um and you know this has been something that's been on my mind for a little bit as i keep attempting to be a runner so it's fun to be talking to lots of other people about doing it um it, because so many of us we get into strength training because we love lifting, and most of us have like, as you've said, like really kind of had this attitude of ah, cardio, like <laughs> 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 cardio. Who cares about cardio? Although I will say I have been somebody who's really promoted the benefits of walking for a really long time now. A lot of people are going to ask this question: Do you think walking is cardio? Everyone always says that. What do you think, Jordan?
1: So, so here's the thing: I walking is a form of cardio, and it is a form of exercise for sure. And if I had to. Put my money on the, if you could only do one form of exercise for your entire life, I would say walking is the best one, Um, purely based off of number one, the research around the health benefits of walking, but also if you look at the, the populations of people who live the longest, healthiest lives, they also are the people who walk most. It's like usually somewhere between seven to 15,000 steps a day is like where the, the healthiest populations fall. Um, so walking, I think is the best form of exercise that if there, if nothing else just do that, but, and you might find this interesting. Uh, I was reading some papers last night and cause I've always been interested in, in what's the difference between cardio and strength training in terms of the effect on your heart. And why is what, what's actually physiologically going on. And so, you notice in the, in the challenge that we gave the mentorship, we was like zone two cardio Mm -hmm. and, and most importantly, under 150 beats per minute. And what I found out. So if you look at the heart of someone who does just pure strength training all the time without cardio, they'll get hypertrophy of the heart. The heart will grow, but specifically a a thicker heart, the, the lining of the heart will become more thick. If you look at the heart of someone who does more cardio, not necessarily walking, but more of like a, a zone to about 100 and somewhere between like 115 to 140 beats per minute, depending on your age and all of that. But somewhere in that range, which is a little bit more intense than just walking, uh, their heart, it's, it's, it's an enlarged heart, but it's not thicker. It's, it can hold more blood. So it can expand, like a balloon can expand more. And so the ideal is actually having both. Like obviously, like you want a little bit like stronger. It can, it can uh push out more blood more powerfully. So cardiac power, but also cardiac uh capacity, the ability to fill your blood with more heart and fill your heart with more blood. Excuse me. Um, We knew what you meant. (laughs) And and what I found is what's really interesting about this zone two zone three cardio with like below 150 beats per minute is the reason that that is so beneficial for heart health, as opposed to say going harder, like in the high intensity interval training, going above 150 is when your heart starts beating so quickly. And I got, I'm so passionate about this. Like I'm so excited that I finally know why. When your heart is start is beating more quickly, it doesn't have enough time to fill up with enough blood to create that elasticity, to create that more capacity for more blood, which is why if you have a, a slightly lower heart in that zone two, zone three range, you give it the opportunity to fill up with more blood, get that elasticity, and then push it out. So the strength training will create that thickness, the, the zone two, zone three will create the elasticity. And- Well, walking in really low intensity won't help create that elasticity. It does have many other health benefits that improve your cardio. And that's also another reason why high intensity training is just so fucking overrated because Mm -hmm. you feel like it's so difficult and your heart is beating out of your chest, but you're actually missing out on so many of the benefits of prolonged, slightly lower intensity that you can get a greater amount of blood going into your heart that allows it to get that elasticity and then pump out the blood into the rest of your body, which I, I was like, so excited to learn this. Cause I've wondered this and I've just never spent the time studying it. And I came across it last night and I was like, this, this is amazing. Like it finally makes sense now.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, and for those of you who are listening, you're like, how the heck do I figure out what's zone two and zone three? You can just go online and figure <laughs> out the formula. You can figure out the formula. It's, what is it, do you, do you have it memorized, Jordan?
1: Yeah, so, so okay. it's very simple. I'm going to, I'm not a numbers guy. So for me to be able to say, this is pretty incredible. Uh, If you're not a numbers person, just Google how to find my zone two cardio, but it's super simple. So the first thing you have to do is find your max heart rate, Mm -hmm. which is just 220 minus your age, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a simple formula, 220 Mm -hmm. minus your age. And so I'll I'll do it for me right now. I'll do it while we're on this call. Um, So if I get my calculator, 220 minus 30 is 190. Okay, so one hundred and ninety is my max heart rate. Um, So then to find your zone two, it's usually between sixty five, depending on where you're looking, it's usually between sixty five and seventy five percent of that number. So if I'm going to do seventy percent of one ninety. That's 133 beats per minute, so that's my zone two, and that's like right where I try and keep my heart rate. Sometimes it'll go up to about 140, but if I started, if I notice it going towards 145, I'm going to reduce the intensity a little bit, maybe reduce the speed. Uh, if it starts going below 115 for me, then I, I need, no, I need to increase the intensity, increase the speed. So yeah. it's a pretty good range, like between 115 to 140 is you're in. For me, that would be my zone two. Yeah. And the the funny part about it is it's it's a very easy pace. Like you, you could, you could do it for hours. Your yeah. zone two is supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be grueling, which is where I think a lot of people struggle with it. They, they want to be doing something that's grueling. And it's like, no, 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 this is something you should be able to do. A conversation should be slightly difficult, but from a musculature perspective and fatigue perspective, you should be able to hold that pace for a long time.
0: Yeah. My zone two is not even running. Like I can do it at a fast walk. So like when yeah. I go out for like a five fast walk, I was surprised. Cause I, um, even though I've been running, I have not been paying attention until you brought up this challenge. And so then I did, um, I can't remember whole numbers in my head. I want to say it's like, mine is like 109 or 113 is my bottom number. And the first day I did that, I just assumed it was going to be a slow jog. And yeah. then I was like, wait a minute. Like I'm up way past that. And I'm like still like walking really fast. So yeah. It's not as fast as you guys might think that you need to be going to get into that. And you can and you can sustain it for quite a while.
1: Yeah. And the cool part is this is where it was one of the best parts about weightlifting and the and the motivating parts is you can see your strength improving over time. Like at first, I was deadlifting 135, and then I could do 155. And it's like the numbers don't lie. Well, you can do the same thing by tracking your heart rate where Right now, maybe you're in zone two while you're doing a brisk walk, but eventually you could be doing a jog and be in zone two. And then maybe what used to be a sprint is like, eventually you're, you're running so quickly and so much faster, but it doesn't feel nearly as taxing Yeah, because that that's the sign of cardio improvement, cardiovascular improvement, where now you can run so much faster for so much longer without nearly as much fatigue. And Mm -hmm. so that that's, to me, a really exciting part about it is because you have that objective raw data. Hey, my heart rate is, is here, but my mile time is significantly faster, which is like, that's, that's really cool
0: very cool stuff this has been fascinating thanks so much for coming on jordan you got a lot of you've got a lot of stuff going on you've got the mentorship if you guys are listening to this and you're a coach it is the place to be seriously <laughs> jordan and mike Vacanti, if you want to be not only a successful coach but like a good coach somebody who's actually like cares about coaching that's the place to be there online fitness business mentorship of course you've got the inner circle right Yep. Yep. At the inner circle. And are we allowed to mention the book yet? Can you talk about the book yet?
1: Yep. Yeah. We're so ready? the book, uh, is coming out, I believe in June. I think that the book will be out in June and, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's been a long time coming. So, but it's if you, uh, I appreciate you having me on, this has been wonderful, uh, a great conversation and thank you. This has been great.
0: Got it. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here.